0: Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. My name is Simon Bromley and I'm a technical writer for BikeRadar.com. Today I have the great pleasure of welcoming Luisa Grapponi, Product Engineering Manager at Hunt Wheels, to the podcast. A specialist in composites and aerodynamics, Luisa has a Master of Science degree in Aerospace Engineering. Her CV includes stints on Boeing's 787 programme, and she was a senior product engineer at Free T and then Campagnolo before joining Hunt in August 2017. Luisa's role at Hunt is wide-ranging, but includes managing all aspects of the product's development process for Hunt's road, gravel and mountain bike's wheels range, and performing competitive benchmarking Wind tunnel testing and real world testing in conjunction with hunt sponsored professional teams and athletes Luisa, welcome to the podcast
1: hi hi everybody thanks a lot for having me and yeah it's a, it's really a pleasure for for me to be here and talking to you simon well
0: it's a, yeah it's a real it's a great pleasure to have you here and I think as everyone will have just heard your kind of um, cv is is pretty incredible and um, and obviously know in doing my research for this podcast i understand that you were originally very close to joining the um, european space agency so i I was wondering how you ended up in cycling instead
1: well yeah that was long long time ago now but yeah uh, as i said i uh, i'm an aerospace engineer and that was my initial start of my career i was working for an aerospace company uh in italy on the 787 programs program and um I was contacted by a company being a a subcontractor for the ESA Agency, uh, the European one. Um, and they, at that time, they were looking for someone to be part of the team, uh, at the Osternard Center in Cologne, in Germany. And yeah, they were looking for people. Uh, I had uh, a couple of interviews, uh, with them in Germany. I spent total, uh, in a total, more than two weeks. Uh, there and yeah, it was for, um, the job would have been being a teacher of um, the astronauts when they have to prepare for their missions. So, you know, because you can have like all kinds of astronauts, they can be technical pilots, uh, chemical, and, uh, the job for uh, like uh, the teacher uh, is to, Prepare them to a, a specific space mission, and then yeah, I had the opportunity to to be there, to be like selected for that uh, job. But yeah, I was young without experience because it was just six months after my my after I took my degrees and I started to work. So it was probably too early, and yeah. yeah. But that was, yeah, almost a, like, you know, a dream coming through because my dream was, you, you know, when I was young, yeah, I wanted to become an astronaut. And that was what was closest to that dream, actually.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I mean, yeah, I think I'm sure many children have, have dreamed of becoming an astronaut. But as you say, like there's not many people kind of get that close. So it's pretty incredible. So how did you then, you know, how did you transfer from so sort of that and aerospace engineering to intercycling?
1: the real the the thing was that uh, my um master my speciality specialization was in aerospace properly, but my work at that time was in aeronautics so I was working on the seven eight seven project uh, doing stress analysis but that was really what was I didn't want to do, uh, again, because, you know, when you finish university, you start to look for a job and you really take the first opportunity that it comes to you. So in reality, I was not really happy of what I was doing. And it was already two years since I started my job at that time. So I was looking for, um, for another job. I had many interviews. But all of them were all in the aeronautic. Uh, sector, more than the aerospace. Uh, I had the opportunity to go and have an interview for Augusta Westlands uh, in Milano, so it was cool, but all helicopters, plane. I wanted to be part of the space world. And then by accident, uh, uh, I was contacted by an English recruiting company who was searching for a person for being part of the 3T engineering team. At that time, 3T was renewing everything. They started to Uh, reorganized the company. The technical director was English, so he just gave this job to an English recruiting company. And for me, when I got that call, it was, oh, great, I'm moving abroad. That's incredible because this is another thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to work abroad, having an experience abroad. But after a couple of weeks talking with them, they told me, oh, great news, Luisa. They they want to know you. They want to meet you. Uh, But, and you know, you don't have to go anywhere You can stay in Italy. I said, oh, well, thank you. That was not really my... And then they told me about the the cycling industry. You know, when you have this kind of interview, at the beginning, they are always very... They don't tell too much. They don't tell what is going to be. So, okay, I have to go to the north of Italy because I was from the south. I have to go to Bergamo working in the cycling... for a cycling... having this interview in the cycling industry. Mm, I don't know. I was a bit skeptical at the beginning but then when I met the team at 3T and I was really uh, the the first impression we had both sides was great you know in terms of like a human relationship and what they wanted to start to create back from a great name a great brand like 3T and then yeah I decided to give uh, that uh to give a chance for that and i always say that was my the best choice ever because i would i will never go back to any other like uh sector or industry because it's it's, it's great working in the cycling industry
0: and I, and I believe you are a pretty keen cyclist yourself Were you a, were you a keen cyclist before you kind of worked in cycling
1: um, not really as, as much as I do now. I was always, I've always been a fan of like cycling. With my dad, I was watching all kinds of races. I, I was a supporter of Johnny Bugno who was my hero. And we were fighting with a friend of Miami between Bugno and Capucci. So that was something like, you know, it's always been like part of my, um, but I was not a proper cyclist. You know, when I started to work, it was 12 years ago. I was a lot, younger but I I was not doing cycling as my sport I was doing other things I played piano for 12 years I did um, a few other things but never cycling I was cycling with friends just for fun to for commuting but when I started to work for 3T and I started to design components I, I won't to understand first, you know, it was me, the first thing, okay, Luisa, you need to, it's not just a matter of drawing something cool, you need to understand how that works, what's the feeling, you know, that other people will have with your component when you put hands on, on a handlebar you sit on a saddle and so little by little I was starting to just do more rides more testing and yeah that was like uh, in a couple of years I just decided to do the Alf Ironman race in Italy so I was like okay from almost nothing to too much. <laughs>
0: Oh okay well yeah yeah as well uh, and so after that i suppose yeah you worked at Free t for a, you know a, a couple of years i think then you obviously moved on to um Campagnolo which is obviously you know a, a very uh, very big name in cycling and 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 obviously i think you were involved with their kind of composites and their wheels and then i think you joined Hunt in August of 2007 so i think like you said you touched on it earlier you quite wanted to move abro- abroad Earlier in your career, and and was hunt that kind of opportunity to move abroad and try out a different culture.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is something that I I, I told myself. In the end, even if it was it happened after like ten years, it it happened. So it still was my dream, you know, that I had when I started to work. And the the hunt opportunity came again in a when I was working for um, in I started to read about. This company in UK, thanks to you guys that were covering them, or other, you know, British um, magazine or live magazine. So you starting, I was starting to know about these guys in UK doing things a bit differently, you know. Um, so I, I thought, well, that could be probably the place to. Go and bring my uh, experience, my expertise, my knowledge, but also getting from them because it, you always need to pass. You know, it's not, it's never like one side. You need to have two good minds working together, making great things. So I just, yeah, contacted uh, Tom and Peter and we started discussing about opportunities, you know, what we could have done together, if that would have been the, the possibility. And in like a three... Two three months after our first chat, they called me back and they said, oh, yeah, Lisa, we, we want you. We decided that's the good thing, the right thing to do. So do you want to move soon? I said, well, I need to give a notice period. So I cannot be, it cannot happen soon. And yeah, after like a summertime, I just moved to to hunt. And it was really when, it, it was almost like having a sort of, product plan already during the interview. You know, we knew already from where to start, what to do, and what was like, what, what would have been the next year of working together? And that was great because they gave me also like a blank sheet um, of do what you want to do. Just talk about, let's talk about that. But yeah, we we believe in what you are telling us and we do think that that's the right way to go. And it was great. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I mean, that's definitely one of the questions I wanted to ask is kind of like, what was the, the difference? What, what is the difference in kind of creative freedom you get at a kind of, you know, relatively smaller company like Hunt compared to working for a very established company and a much bigger company like Campagnolo? As, as a kind of engineer, do you have, as you say, like a blank sheet of paper and you can kind of follow what you want and you're not bound by, you know, existing things?
1: Yeah, that's that's probably the main difference. It's not because of people, it's just because of the structure. You know, you need to go, if there is a, a much bigger company with departments and people above you, you need to go to your first, present the, your idea to a team of people, yeah, then to your responsible, your boss, then to the other one. And so I had like five people at least to go through my idea till... Just get into the the decision. Well, in that case, I could decide myself just talking with Tom and Peter, and this is what I wanted to do because I wanted to move from um, position where I was part of an R and D department, which was great. You know, I I did learn a lot. I wanted to be to be more part of the decision maker. So that was what made me also think about changing my uh, career and thinking like uh, to to move and to change because yeah I wanted to be part of the those decision makers more than just working on something and presenting to others who had to decide if it was okay or not
0: yeah and I think you know that's really showing I mean Hunt as a brand have moved uh, incredibly quickly in the last few years and you know I imagine that has a lot to do with you I mean certainly you know when Hunt first kind of came onto the scene in Britain I think they were kind of quite well renowned for making primarily good value carbon wheels but the it's definitely changing now as in you know and obviously with their kind of Hunt's entry into the world tour I think Hunt is and, and obviously all of the the testing data that Hunt is is you know very notable for releasing Hunt are really making a name for themselves as a kind of uh, one of the you know the top players in, in aerodynamic wheel sets.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, as you said, they started in that way, which was already good. You know, they uh, Tom has been in the industry, like, since more than a decade. So he knew already um, everything in the industry. So it was quite good to uh, look at the, the trends, the needs of cyclists. But then, yeah, our work together was just to bring something, like, more than that. So we started to work on specific products. we, we which could be very like different and peculiar with a lot of uh, thinking behind, a lot of knowledge, application in materials or in design. And then little by little, you know, we're starting to um, improve our, even our engineering department. You know, we are now more people in the engineering department. We uh, we always had a very good um, uh, expertise and not no, dealing with our suppliers in China is in in, in Taiwan. Uh, it's mainly what uh, you know. Um, we we control them. It's not what okay. We take something out of them. It's just having manufacturing there because we don't have in in in, in UK. Like other many other companies they don't have manufacturing in now So we go to Taiwan to all our suppliers. We have one just another supplier in China, and it's. They do what we want to do and they have huge expertise. You know, there there is this misconception or wrong belief that Taiwan and Asia, they don't have the knowledge. They've been in this industry for like 40 years. I don't know how long They, they are capable they have huge expertise so but you have to obviously teach them or tell them what you want to do differently otherwise you fall into the you know the sea of having all the same problem and that this is what now we do Henant, we we do a lot of research we do a lot of technical studies we apply uh, different concept material aerodynamics a lot of testing but not just wind tunnel testing we are um, we already set up a very good in-house lab which we are Improving and getting better and better. So we have obviously all our testing in in Taiwan, but we do a lot in house. We do a lot of impact testing, stiffness testing. We don't have the fatigue machine yet, but we are in. We are thinking to include all these um, test gym, you know. And that's part of the product development. Development is important because you it speed up a lot the process but also allow you to be sure that once you come with something it's working it's there and and then we we have the we are lucky enough to have all of us riding our products all of us we have our hunt test team which are a mix of colleagues uh, profession, not professional riders in terms of like the pro tour but riders who do that because they love and they, they do races and then from this year we added Team Quebeca we always been doing a great job also with DHB the Canyon team that has been great in the past year they helped us a lot in like a product development development as well because they were obviously uh the one using our wheels because of a sponsorship but we could get a lot of feedback from from them so uh, we already experienced the being you know in a sort of pro uh, world world but obviously with team quebec uh, the i guess the we are more on under the spotlight, I would say now compared to to before.
0: Yeah, and I think you know I, I kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think as you say, you've kind of in, Hunt has always kind of invited the spotlight in a way because your Hunt as a brand is very open with its uh, releasing its testing data, and obviously as a, you know from a journalist point of view, that that's always really really helpful because you know, every time we get a press release, obviously, it always says, well, this is the best wheel, the best tyre, you know, the best shoe, the best, But you know, since any wheel, tyre, shoe, whatever. So, obviously, we can't, <laughs> you know, we can't go to the wind tunnel ourselves all the time and test these things. So, we kind of have to say, oh, well, you know, the brand claims. But Hunt has always been very good at providing uh, kind of evidence for their claims. And, I wonder, you know, I kind of just from your perspective, why do you think it's important that you back up those claims that you make when I suppose, you know, not every brand seems to believe that that is important?
1: Well, uh, you know what? You need to be transparent in that because me being Part of the, the the industry but from inside, as you said, every time someone was coming, oh yeah we've been we we are the lightest, yes okay, but all the stiffer and they were not even providing stiffness value or data aero data yes, it was just them compared to their previous range or their previous model so that's really not the way it it could be a way because you know you don't want to but for us it was really important to show okay we have a goal to be the fastest and we did that with the 48 and it was great you know when I went I was at the wind tunnel looking at the screen with like those data and we decided to do that for for the, at that time for the first time. And we wanted to provide as many information as possible to our customer because they have the right, you know, they need to choose, they need to spend money and it, it cannot be based on words of people. And then you buy something and then you are not happy with that. So we want to be as, Transparent as possible with our customer because we own this to them. And obviously, when you keep doing testing, it happens like you, 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 you cannot be always the best. Well, it would be great. But even when, when we, we didn't. We, were, we still wanted to be honest and say, well, we did this test. Instead of winning the, the, the test, being the best, we are here at second place, third place, because Roval is, is the best wheel that we tested so far. And that is fair to recognize when other competitors are better and just to still tell our customer, look, these are the data and then it's up to you to decide if you want to spend twice the amount of money for having like uh, three seconds, uh, uh, for saving three seconds or, you know, that's uh, it's up to, to people then to decide. But we believe that that's the right way. To 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 do to do things, and you know what we are seeing again. It's not because of us, but more and more brands now are becoming more like uh, open to share with and share their data, their testing, their stuff, which is cool. You know, you know, we we don't want to be. Oh yeah, we have we are the only one. We want this because we. It would be great. If anyone would do that, because if I then have to buy a frame, I can get the same, you know, and I can get all the data available to choose which one to buy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, like you say, you know, people are kind of spending their hard-earned cash on these things. And, uh, you know, yeah, and especially from a journalistic point of view, I I also think it's fantastic. But yeah, certainly when I'm looking to buy something, then... You know, you, you kind of, especially in, the, in an era of data, where I think everyone's really hungry for that data. So, like you say, I think it's fantastic. And you, um, you mentioned the, I think the forty-eight limitless wheel set there, and I think that that kind of like brings me into one of the, you know, kind of key questions I wanted to talk to you about. And I, and I guess because you've been um, key in pushing this trend for very wide road wheels, and you know, I think there's this kind of assumption when you know cyclists think about aerodynamics that narrow things are are fast but obviously what we're now seeing is that you know wheels are getting wider and wider and i wondered if you could kind of you know maybe on a you know without (laughs) getting too technical because i suppose you know i won't understand it and maybe some of our readers won't but why is wider uh better for wheels and is there a kind of you know is there a limit to it or you know what's the trend
1: well, yeah, that was uh, the trend long time ago. Was to have very the common airfoil shape, very uh, like narrow, like. But that is that works on airplane, you know, and and when you don't consider the system of uh, rim with a tire. The tyre is very important in the overall system. And with tyres becoming wider because of not just trend, because of technologies, because of performances, uh, comfort, re- less rolling resistance, you need to adapt the other part of the system to what is the first part, you know, that is the, the flow. Obviously, if you think about straight headwind condition, uh, the the less area you have, the better it is because it's still a matter, you know, a big uh, person will always have more drug than a smaller person like me. But that happened just at zero, two degrees. As soon as you start to move, to change and you have side winds, the situation changed completely. And for... Um, the The thing of being uh wider is just to have a more um curvature on the side of the rim because you really need to have the flow stayed attached to the surface for longer because what happens when you hit the tire and if the tire is the biggest part then as soon as it separates you you have you can see in simulation or you start to have vortex and there is a a separation of the flow and when it it, that happens you automatically increase your drug if you can have that overall system being more like one complete, you can get the floor separates a lot later. Um, so the, the wider it is, the better it is, and if you go for higher your angle, obviously is even better because of the side, the side um, way the, the wind from where the wind comes. This is true. When you consider mid, probably mid-range deep section wheel, like a forty-eight, a sixty, it cannot be completely through or always through with very, very deep rim because in that case the, the separation will happen anyway earlier. You won't reach the very end of the rim for a eighty millimeter rim, so the separation there would there would be a point where the separation happen anyway, even though you don't reach those higher your angle. And so probably in in that case, the um, penalty of being wider for frontal condition is, um, is more than having the advantage of a more blunt, bulgy profile. And in fact, this is why, for example, very deep rims are still quite conventional in the shape. You don't see an 80 millimeter rim profile to be 34 or 35 wide. Still, there is a connection which is related to the use. You know, you have, um, most of the time, a very deep rim is, is used by triathletes or for TT races, where frames are different, they are focused on... It's a different use, different wind conditions. so you have other limitations that you have to consider when you design something for a, another use. But the main reason is just to get to get a separation and a uh, um, turbulence happening later uh, instead than just when you hit the tire.
0: Yeah, and that's really, really fascinating. I, I, I've got an eighty mil wheel behind me for my time trial bike, and, and you're right that it's like it, it is a kind of it's 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 twenty eight millimeters wide, but it is a kind of more conventional profile, as you say, and um, and I suppose yeah, those bikes are kind of focused more on low your situations as opposed to those really high your ones. Um, but I you know I, why are I think, you know, for, for a long time in cycling, everyone's been really obsessed with weight and particularly, particularly with wheels is that everyone's very concerned with rotating weight. But I think we're kind of starting to move away from that now. And, you know, tubulars are becoming, even in the pro peloton, a lot less a lot less uh, prevalent. You know, we're seeing riders using tubeless, especially for time trials and, you know, clinches and tubeless in road races as well. And, you know, From you know, from my point of view, having seen doing the reading that I do, aerodynamics of of the wheel set seems to be far more important than the weight. But I, I know that people are still, you know, our readers are still very concerned with weight. I mean, what's what's your view on it?
1: Uh, weight for us is still important every time we start to work on a project we have weight as one of the main things to focus on it's not just aerodynamic is 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 the performance is the stiffness of the wheel is like uh, the, the inertia the rolling resistance the comfort it's th- th- there are many things involved when you do uh a product design and specifically of a wheel. Weight is becoming less important because now, for example, the fact that you have a disc brake wheel compared to a rim brake is already like heavier. So um, people are already starting to change their mind. You know, at the beginning there was, oh no, no rim, no disc brake wheel because they are heavier. But now people are starting to understand the advantages of rim disc brake versus rim brake. So again, that's something, okay, probably, I can accept those like uh, 200 grams more. And then people are thinking about, well, uh, I want to have that arrow advantage. So I need to, I understand that my rim needs to be deeper, first of all, because obviously a deeper rim is going to be always more arrow than a shallower one. And if you go, if you want to go wide, you need to add weight. So, again, that's another thing. Obviously, when you are doing uh, wheels for like climbing races, or again, if you think about usage, still weight could be important. The best thing is just to reach the through, And this is what you, we focus on and we try always to do the best. But sometimes, for example, for us, most safety is the first thing as well. So if I have to choose in adding like 20 grams or reducing the energy level at which my wheel will break, and then I say, okay, I want to have a heavier rim, but I know that that rim is going to be safe in case there is a terrible crash or it won't crash, basically. So that's the thing. But as I said, we always try to work hard and... We've we been thinking about, you know, specific climbing wheels. And now that we have also a team demanding, you know, we have Pozzavivo in our team now. He's so small and so light. He wants to have light with, because for him is the difference. But once again, the peloton was used to ride tubs, tubulars, because they were... Uh, the lightest, the fastest, but now they are also understanding the the advantage of a tubeless. Because if you have a flat, no matter if you are just like 20 minutes ahead or 20 seconds, you you screw up everything. You lose your advantage. With a tubeless, when the flat is small, you don't even realize that you have a flat and you keep going on. And we had these cases with the DHB team they won races in the past because they were the only one in the peloton using tubeless having punctures not needed to stop and have a uh, replace of the wheel and they could keep going on and yeah so it's it's getting used to the new technologies to the news the differences you know but little by little i guess he, he will come uh he won't be more uh um I don't know how to say something different, but it would be the normality, probably.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's definitely you know we, I think it's definitely the way things are going, and I, I think for racing as well. In my experience, is that you know using very uh, supple, fast tires. You know, you're always worried about that that risk of puncturing, like you say, and and so having a kind of very fast tire that's also tubeless and has the sealant and has the ability to kind of potentially. Uh, see all those small punctures as you're going you know i think it's a it's a real game changer for racing and um like you say like any new technology it's kind of always going to be teething problems and time to adjust but i i do think it, it is the way the industry is going and i think hunt was definitely on that trend early so you know it, it's a it's yeah it, that's that's really good and you mentioned in there the kind of the different challenges between designing for uh, rim brake wheels and disc brake wheels. And actually, you know, we, we kind of, you know, it's, we kind of hear this before. And as journalists, we kind of like to say that, well, you know, now that the rim doesn't have to be a braking surface anymore, that gives designers much more freedom to design the rim however they want. You know, is, is that actually true or is that just something we've made up?
1: <laughs> no, it's true, you know, because first and foremost, we couldn't be that wide if we still had to be rim brake because you have the restriction of the caliper, you have the restriction of the brake track. So you couldn't really be that bulging uh, in the sides. You couldn't be fit in the caliper. So this is Definitely, the main reason. You know, you could do now whatever you want, uh, given the the right clearance on the frame side, uh, on the on on the rim design, and then you don't have, you know, another important thing that was before a, a problem for rim brake. The rim truck has to be, you know, the material, you had to be thick, but also you had to do a lot of testing for the heating during braking. And now you don't have that issue anymore. So there are a lot of, so you can be on one side lighter because you can work on the layer. You can have like, um, uh, thinner let's say cross-section because you don't need to be uh, that way on the brake track but yeah definitely the design has completely changed since the introduction of rim brake because you don't have any more those uh up there.
0: Uh. And do, do you see that kind of being uh, you know another kind of further area for development in the next few years as well like we're going to start sit, you know uh, I think it, it, whenever anyone talks about you know, reinventing the wheel, of course, people have been saying that for thousands of years, right? And, and we always kind of think, oh, well, we must have reached the kind of peak of aerodynamic engineering, but presumably there's always more.
1: Well, th- there is more, uh, and for example, we uh, we are already we made few samples in the past to try to test something different. Uh, We have never, we have not come to anything yet because, you know, uh, you cannot spend really all your time working on something like crazy and you need to focus also on other things. So there still could be done something on the design. Definitely, the probably the next step is working on material, you know, for different uh, reasons, for performances, for, uh, you know, um, Environment um, thinking, you know, uh, carbon prepreg is uh, is not recyclable, so you need to think about something like that. So material is probably it, it could be the next uh, thing to look at, uh, and yeah.
0: Oh, that's right. It's really fascinating. Yeah, and I, I guess obviously so. Say- you know I, I suppose those kind of products whatever you're making are going to be as you say kind of the, the testing will be informed by the feedback from your kind of world tour teams and i did want to touch on that uh a little a little bit because you know it's a it's a big deal for us for a brand like hunt to be racing and, and obviously you've already had a win uh, i think uh, Nizolo got a win earlier this season on on hunt wheels yeah. for the first time so that was really good and and um you know, I I, always, I like to follow Victor Campanats because he's always yeah. very interesting with the testing. And I and I don't, you know, you might not be able to say. So we can move on quickly if you're not. But I'm pretty sure I saw him riding a Hunt disc wheel at the time trial at Paris Nice yesterday. <laughs> yes, it um. is, it, it is, and
1: that's a very special disc wheel as well with a um, a special construction. Uh, it's something that it, it's. special it's different and uh we also did um it's stiff because we did comparison with other uh, brands and it's it's stiffer the next step would be really focusing on a more aero performing um wheel because that shape because of the construction of the wheel could not be too different so because of that first focus that technology we we decided to go like more conventional in the shape of the of the discs but we we've been already working on something similar because Victor is pushing us you know he said as soon as someone beats my record I will go back and and try to get it back so he's the first one pushing us and that's great you know because you have that additional uh uh, things. Oh, I, we need to do that because he really he he can just lose his record, and he wants to go back and fight for him. And we need to provide him with the most, the fastest, and the most incredible set for for him. And yeah, but you know, even for when I was watching the Stade Bianche, seeing the, how many were like four out of ten there in the first ten. It was like it was great, you know, and it was something that I. Already experienced in the past because when I was working for 3T, BMC team at that time had like uh, eight former champion in that team. So for me, it was already incredible. But you, as a fan, as a, you never uh, lose that enthusiasm of what, of having a champion winning with something that you've been working on. And that's, that's the great this thing you know and this is when why i keep saying i will never go back because you will never have this in any other uh, working environment ever so that's great
0: well that's really good and i, and I think that's been a really interesting uh conversation Louisa. so I'm sure that I mean there are you know there's hundreds more questions I could have asked you, but we've 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 spoken for nearly forty minutes now, and I'm sure <laughs> we'll have to get let the let the listeners get back to whatever they were doing so um yeah we'll we'll leave it there, and it just leads me to thank you very very much, Lisa, for joining us on the podcast today
1: it- It was a pleasure really it was it's always nice you know I talk about something that I like, I love and my passion, so it's always nice to you know having these opportunities. So
0: thanks to you very much for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's our pleasure. And of course, dear listeners, don't forget to leave a comment on this podcast on Bikeradar.com or wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and look out for the next By Radar podcast coming soon. Thanks very much
1: bye ciao
0: ciao bye bye thank you for listening to the bike radar podcast if you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling check out Bikeradar.com.